the benefit of having to do the children's message and then preach is I just shorten it a little bit so I get more time to preach, right? I'm just kidding. I, for whatever the cause was, uh, I, I pray for Kim for, sir, for sure. Uh, I've never had a child in a car accident, um, so I can only imagine, you know, everything that runs through your mind is you're driving there. Helpless. Yeah, helpless would be a good word, right? Um, you're not in control. You're praying a lot, I'm sure, uh, asking God to protect them. And I'm sure there, there's got to be, I don't know, in my mind, and I've had this with my own kids, there's got to be some sense of maybe even a little bit of guilt uh, that the, the enemy will try to put on you because all of a sudden you let them drive. And it's your fault somehow. Guys, it's not. If Kim shows back up, uh, we are still going to have a meeting in the fellowship hall immediately after the service uh, to talk about VBS. Okay, VBS is July 24th? No, 22nd. 21st, 22nd? The last weekend of July. Okay, 26th, 27th. We'll figure it out eventually. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, that makes all of you who are going to leave your kids with us feel real good, doesn't it? Um, we won't lose your kids, but we'll, 26th, 27th, and 28th. Um, it is a, a camp, camp adventure, I think they're calling it. And uh, so the kids will be dropped off here at the church on Friday. They will be here Friday night. They will stay the night at the church. They will be here all day Saturday and stay the night again Saturday night. And you will retrieve your kids promptly at 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Promptly. Not Sunday morning. You'll get your kids back at the service on Sunday morning. Um, but to make all that happen, we need help. We need volunteers. That, and, and we're not saying, hey, you, you have to sleep over. If you want to sleep over, we're going to let you. But we need volunteers to come and help. We need some people, uh, some ladies who can help us cook. Now our kitchen hopefully will be back in order by then. But if it's not, it's going to be interesting. Um, but we, we'll need some help cooking. We'll need some help uh, from some of you men who want to play some games with them. We need some help with that. We need some Bible teachers. But let me tell you what we need. Well, first and foremost, we need prayer. But let me tell you what the second biggest need is. Shot collars. If we put shot collars on them all, we can set a perimeter and they won't go too far. Just, just saying. Mine need shot collars. The problem is they can pick them. Um, so, all right, so you guys pray for that, and if Kim, if Kim comes back, we're, we're going to meet, um, because we desperately need to start getting some of this planned out and ready to go. So week two, misquoted, uh, twisting the Bible out of context to make it fit for us, right? Has anyone ever done that? Some of you guys that aren't raising your hands are lying right now, right? Maybe you did it in your past life, maybe you've done it in your present life. But the fact is, we've all done it, right? We all read one Bible verse, maybe two Bible verses, and we grab a hold of that verse and say, this is it. Who, who in here has life verses? Life verses, right? We have life verses. You realize most of us who have a life verse have twisted that verse out of context to make it our life verse. Let me throw one at you. Jeremiah 29, 11. Anyone have that as their life verse? Not me, but I'm just, no one, no one brave. Oh, Miss Lori. So we take that verse, right, and it's got some good practical stuff to it, 
But to apply that verse to our life, that's not true. Second Chronicles 5, we talked about that last week, right? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land and they will be my people and I will be their God. We've taken that verse and we've applied it to America, which is not true. We talked about that last week. Here's a verse, or here's another one, Philippians 4.13. Is that anyone's life verse? Anyone brave enough to want to raise their hand? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Does that jog anything? Do you realize that can't be your life verse either? Because we take it out of context in order to make it fit something that it doesn't fit. Here's one that I claimed is my life verse for a long time. Romans 8 and verse 28. Matter of fact, it's on your notes in your, for you today. All things work together, Right? For the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That was my verse, right? I mean, 33 different foster homes, bounce around like a BB in a boxcar. I mean, I've been through it all. I lived my life not the right way for a long time. But I claimed that verse because it was like, okay, well, that's bad, but this is going to work out for good, and I'm going to be a better person. Things are going to work out better for me. There are bad things that happen in our lives so that we claim that verse for because there's something good that comes out of it and we're like oh hey that person found jesus or hey that person because of this like the accident that just happened kim will get there and lord willing everything's okay and maybe she'll have the opportunity to share jesus with somebody so we look at that and say hey there's something bad that happened but the lord brought something good out of it so we claim the verse more as an individual verse, as a personality verse, that God's going to do something in our, in our own lives, that there's something going to be good come out of this for us, even though we don't understand it. But the verse is not that. See, the verse, in order to do it in context, we have to go on, we have to continue to read. We have to read verse 29 and verse 30, and both of those are in your, in your notes for you. Ronnie, you can go ahead and Slap those up there if you want. We know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Verse 29, for those... Now, hang on. Let me stop real quick. Because in our denomination, we've got some people that have plumb lost it. And let me say, it's not just our denomination. Let's just take denominations in general. There's some people that have lost it, and they're trying to make this verse say a whole lot more than what it does. I, we're not going to talk about Calvinism. We're not talking about Arminianism. We're going to talk about Biblicism, okay? It, it's just going to be the Bible. We're just going to read it for what it is. So don't, like, jump on this and say, oh, he's a Calvinist. We've got to get rid of him. And most of you guys ain't got a clue what a Calvinist is. Or, oh, he's an Arminianist. We've got to get rid of him. Most of you guys ain't got a clue what that is. We're going to take what the Bible says and just read what the Bible says. How's that? That works? Jackie, is that good with you? It's good with me and you. No one else matters, right? Okay. So verse 29 for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now, some people would say, because he predestined them, because he foreknew them, that God selected who was going to be saved and who wasn't going to be saved. But we just told you in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the King James, it says, whosoever, meaning anybody who wants to can do it. These words, it causes you to have to dig deeper into this scripture 
to find out what predestined, to find out what foreknew, to find out uh, what justified, to find out what glorified, what all those mean. Okay, it's not a Sunday morning thing. We can't jump through it and try to rock out 15 words and for you to figure it out and walk out comfortably. So we're not even going to try. What I, want to, what I want to do is I want to back up to verse 28 because I want you to understand that when God said, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's the part I want you to catch. To be conformed to the image of his Son. See, we all get into this part of life that we think everything is about us and everything has to be about us, so everything that happens to us has something to do with us. Because we all have to come up with us. Right? Canaan has to turn out to be Canaan. He has to be true to who he is. We hear that all the time. Well, let your kids be true to whatever personality they are. I can tell you, I can straighten Canaan's personality out. Hey, listen, God can straighten your personality out. And it may not be with the same leather belt that I use for Canaan. See, it's not about allowing someone to be true to themselves. I even heard someone say that we're messing up the way we raise our children. And I don't mean just mine, but children in general. That we're taking them and we're taking them away from their natural bent. And we're trying to make them be something that they're not. And they, they reference the Bible and say, see, God wants you to be this. He wants individuals. God doesn't want individuals. See, God's desire is for everyone who is saved, although you are individuals, God's desire is for everyone to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Period. Bad things happen to good people. Why? Because sin is in the world. That's it. I mean, bad things happen to good people because sin is in the world. It's not... It's not that God is like zapping people. It's just the fact of what it is. So if, Brother Ron, will you go back to verse 28 and just leave that on the screen for me? There we go. It's bigger. I can read it better. Uh, so what we have to do with this verse to understand that it's not about individuals, but it's really about verse 29 being conformed to the image of God's Son. Maybe you want to ask this question yourself. Can we still really believe in verse 8, verse 28? Can we really believe that everything works together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose? I mean, can we believe that if verse 29 is true and that we're to be conformed to the image of His Son? That it's not about your individualness, it's not about your walk, but it's about everything happens to conform you, to make you more like Jesus Christ. So can we really still believe in verse 8, or verse 28, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 28? We know all things work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He didn't say all things were good. So first, we've got we to gotta look at that. We've got to understand that God did not say through Paul that all things were good. He didn't even say that he causes evil things. Do we believe in the sovereignty of God in here? Do we know, does everyone know what the sovereignty of God is? Meaning that God controls everything. Doesn't mean that he, he causes evil, but it, it means that he controls it. That he allows it. Right? On Wednesday night, we talked about that guy in the Bible, Job. And Job had a lot of evil stuff happen to him, but it was all by permission of God. God told Satan, hey, have you considered Job? Hey, you can do this and this and this, but there are parameters to it. Right? So what we have to do is we have to look at this and understand that it's not all good stuff. 
But we have to believe, first and foremost, that God is sovereign. Let me give you a for instance. And for some of you that have been here, I'll be here four years in August. Five years ago in December, there was a man that was murdered here. Okay? He stood, well, not on this platform, but he stood back here on that platform uh, and was the pastor of this church. You could get into all the details, and I've been here four years. Some of you guys have been here even when all that stuff happened. Uh, you know details maybe I don't know. I know details that maybe you don't know. And we look at all that and say, well, that was tragic. It was. There's no doubt about it. Tragic. I have a great relationship with uh, the shooter's father. He's a pastor. And so I have a good relationship with him. But through all of this stuff, people would look and say, well, that's just bad. It is bad. He was evil. Are you saying that God is sovereign? God allowed that to happen? Yes. Now, stay with me for a minute before some of you guys get mad and throw your sucker in the dirt and want to leave. God is sovereign. God knew it was coming. He saw it was going to happen. Could God have stopped it? Yes. Had God reached into time's corridor and stopped it, would he still have been God? Yes. Why did God allow it? Because God thinks higher than you do. God's ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. We look at it as tragic, and it was. It wrecked a whole family, wrecked a community. Actually, it wrecked three different families, wrecked a community, wrecked a church for a little while. But God, in his sovereign wisdom, knew everything that was happening. So eight months later, I showed up. I've shared this story a lot, but eight months later, I showed up. And in August, whenever I got here, my very first week, a young lady called. Now, we've not seen this young lady in some time, but she called, and I believe she really got what she came to get. She called, and when she called, she was able to come and meet with myself and the secretary, and uh, through, through some time, she actually accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Now, she's, she's done what uh, some of the rest of you guys are doing that are sitting here. You backslid, right? Some of you guys took one step forward and three steps backwards. So we're not going to judge her based on that. We're just going to understand that she still needs us to love her. But through all of that, you say, well, maybe she would have gotten saved had the other pastors. Maybe. I don't know. But through God's sovereign design, right, I was here, and there's one more in the kingdom. Now, I didn't know the previous pastor. I'd met him two other times. But I, I can tell you, just from meeting him and knowing about him and his personality, right, that he would have done whatever it took to see one person come to know Jesus Christ. So we look at the bad, the individual bad, what wrecked families, what wrecked the community, and through it all, we have at least one. I could go on with stories after stories after stories over the last four years of people who have come to know Jesus Christ but we, we know we have one who came to know Jesus Christ because of everything that happened, because of how all of that transpired. Because if he was still alive, would I be here? No. I'd still be in Greenville, Florida, probably. Because God is sovereign. His ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. And it's not about individuals. It's about being conformed to Jesus Christ. So all things happen for the good of those who love God, not all good things, but all things, good, evil, bad, whatever, happen to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. You know, do you understand that some of you, 
and some of the other people that were here at that time five years ago have gone through some stuff that have moved you closer to Jesus Christ because of the situation. Because of the situation. Some of you have been through some stuff. I was just talking with Miss Ann, and this year has been quite the year for Miss Ann. But because of what she's gone through this year, her relationship with Jesus is getting stronger because he's the one that's there at night. He's the strength that's getting her through. I was just talking with Brad and Bonita. I, I, listen, I'm blown away at how the stories happen. Talking with Brad and Bonita, I won't share everything, but they had something this week that most of us would have fallen apart with. And listen, as I talked with them, Bonita kept telling me, but we're trusting God. God's got this. God's got this. Listen, because it's not about individuality. It's about being conformed to be like Jesus so other people will see us and glorify Jesus because of us. See, when we take verse 28 and we make it about us, things are going to get better for us. Things are going to work out better for us. We do it all misquoted. We blow the whole thing out of the water. When we take verse 28 and we understand that verse 29 comes after it, and it's to be conformed to the image, the image, not, not the perfect replica, right? I, I love the, uh, what is it, the uh, four... 427 Cobra, 428 Cobra, whatever it is. It, 429, thank you. I'm not good with numbers. That's why I don't reach out of the book of numbers. But um, so the 429 Cobra, it is uh, up until just recently, it was the fastest production car ever produced. It would do 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds. Now listen, that's fast, right? The only other thing I know that can move that fast is Hurricane when he's running from me. Okay, but a replica of the car, not the original, a replica of the car is a half a million dollars now. That's not even the real deal. Just a replica. Jesus wants us to be replicas. He wants us to be in the image of him. Okay, you're never going to be Jesus. Some of us need to learn that lesson. Look in the mirror and understand that you're not going to be him. And you know what that would do? That would cause us to witness to other people better. That would cause us to live a better Christian life when you understand that you're not Jesus. That you're not perfect either. I don't say, hey, listen, I've been to some churches where you walk in the church and like I'm afraid to stay. All these perfect people, I'm just going to screw it up. We're not perfect. We go through some stuff. Because God is putting us through the mill. God is putting the hammer down on us. Because he wants us to look more like Jesus. Why? So that we can bring other people to him. There's no other reason, guys. You've been saved to serve. Now, you can serve on your own, or you can serve because he's going to put you through the mill, but one way or the other, you're going to serve. So, when we, when we stop and we look at all that stuff, we say, okay, we know that all things work together for the good. So, it's not all good stuff, but they all work together for good, right? But what's the good? To be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's the good part, right? But it only works for those who love God. Huh. You mean that, that's not a blanket verse? No. See, 
you can't even use verse 28 and 29 if you're not a child of God. And you can't say, well, I've been coming to church my whole life. That makes me a child. No, it doesn't. That makes you someone coming to church your whole life. See, in order for you to be a child of God, you have to move through the circles. They're back there on the wall. But you have to move through the circles. And you have to get to that point when you're in brokenness. And you have to understand you're in brokenness because of sin in your life. That your relationship with God is, not, is, is non-existent because of sin. And then you have to be able to believe and turn. I was part of an NA meeting last night. Not because I, well, I do have an issue, but not a drug issue. Um, I was part of the NA meeting. I just ran the sound equipment for him. Do you know what? Do you know my biggest problem with NA and AA meetings? Here's my biggest problem with those. I, I listened to a man speak for 30, he, he, he didn't speak 32 years, thank God, but uh, he spoke about 30 minutes, but he'd been clean, no using, for 32 years. That's exciting. I can celebrate that, right? Here's what bothered me. When he stood up and he introduced him, his, himself, the very first thing he said, now he ain't had drugs, he ain't used drugs in 32 years, but he called himself an addict. Hi. I'm an addict, my name is, and he gave his name. You know what happens? I want to get up, and I want to walk up there, and I want to kick them right in the mouth. You know what really ticks me off more than that? Whenever I see a believer of Jesus Christ, a follower of God, in an NA meeting or an AA meeting, and they stand up and say, hey, my name's Tony, I'm an alcoholic. I want to say, what are you, a dummy? Do you not understand the gospel? Because the gospel says, right, in 2 Corinthians, that old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. You're no longer that person. But what happens? People get in stuff like that, and no one wants to be on an island. Well, some of you guys may want to be on an island. I don't want to be on an island, because then you've got to eat fish, and I'm not going to do that. So, anyways, um, and I can only eat so many pineapples, Right? Right, Hurricane, I can only eat so many pineapples because you get the rest, right? Yeah, okay. So, no one wants to be on an island. So, how would it look if you stood up in a meeting like that? Now, I, hey, I think NA and AA are great things. I really believe they are when they're on the foundations of what they were created for. Okay, NA and AA, you want to know what they were? They were evangelistic programs to reach the druggies and the alcoholics to bring them to Jesus. That's what they were. They ain't now, but that's what they were. So I think when people get up and they say, hey, I'm an alcoholic, and hey, by the way, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? We can talk about Jesus, but hey, by the way, I'm an alcoholic. I've been clean 35 years. Did I? Are you kidding me? See, my Bible, and I think your Bible, unless you've got one of those strange Bibles, my Bible says that old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Right? My Bible says that I'm no longer that guy. My Bible says I'm no longer that gal. I'm no longer that person addicted. I'm no longer that person suffering. The devil doesn't have his hands around my throat anymore. I'm a new person. Do I still have some of the same tendencies? Certainly you could. But you're a new creation. You're a new person. 28 tells us all things happen for the good of those who love God. But see, you have to love God for the verse to happen in your life. And it's more, am I really that bad? Man, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. You're good. Uh, so the, the issue is, I couldn't help it, Ben. <laughs> uh, I'll whip you. Uh, the, the issue is, do we really love God? 
Now, it's easy to say, I love God with my mouth, but what about your life? Right? Come on. I can say I love God with my mouth all day long. But what about with my life? Got, Got scary. He stepped down off the platform. It's easy to love God with your mouth. But what's your life doing? What's your fruit showing? Right? We talked about not judging on Wednesday night, but if they don't come on Wednesday night, they don't get it, right? But we talked about not judging on Wednesday night. But we did talk, Miss Cindy, about inspecting fruit, didn't we? So if you say, hey, I love God, then I want to see your fruit. Get out your basket. Because there's certain kind of fruit that I should be able to find. Do you know one kind of fruit that every Christian should have is called love? And I don't mean, hey, just that four-letter word. I don't mean just saying, hey, I, Ben, you know what? I love you. Whatever. Show me. Ben, I love you. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you I love you, but I want to show you. Miss Alice, I love you. I do love Miss Alice because I'm afraid of her. <laughs> hey, fear breeds love, I'm just telling you. Like, I stay out of that corner over there with Betsy Ross. Uh, Miss Lee is all flagged out today. She got... I mean, she liked a walking American flag, okay? And and I love those ladies, but they hold me accountable. I love Miss Alice. You know what? She holds me accountable, though, because she loves me enough to want to make sure that I'm okay. They love me enough. That's why she keeps saying, you coming back to the gym? I didn't see you on Friday. I didn't see you on Friday at the gym. I said, oh, my coffee's cold. Yeah, you don't want to talk about that. Listen, it's easy for us to say with our mouth that we love God, but where's the fruit? Where's the evidence? I don't want to hear you tell me that you love God, but you hate people. Right? Well, I love God, but I ain't helping nobody. Brad, I love God, but you know what? You got a flat tire, I'm going to look at you and laugh, and I'm walking off. I read this thing last night about an elderly couple. They were at McDonald's, and... The older man, and he was aged, he was probably, uh, they were speculating, probably in his 90s somewhere. They, they were out celebrating, the wife and him, they were celebrating 75 years of marriage. So you know they had to be older, right? Why you go to McDonald's to celebrate marriage? Only me and Garth would take someone there because it's cheaper, the dollar menu, right? But, so they were there, and the old man had the tray with uh, his coffee and his hot apple pie, and he was making his way to his seat. And he stumbled a little bit. He didn't fall, thankfully, but his coffee and apple pie fell. And they hit the floor. You know the wife of 75 years, you know what she did instantly? Grabbed some napkins and hit the floor. Started cleaning it up. Then some young punk standing behind the counter said, Ma'am, if you need more napkins, I'll give you more napkins. Listen, we say, oh my gosh, wow, but here, do you know how many Christians do the exact same thing? But we want to claim, hey, those who love God, we want to be those people, right? Because when the, when the ticket to heaven comes, Brother Alex, we want to make sure our ticket is punched, right? We want to make sure we're on the train, right, to get there. We're not looking for the black train. We're looking for the golden train. But the problem is, guys, we want to claim to love God, but we ain't doing nothing for him. Because we've made the verse individual. We made it individualized instead of realizing that the whole purpose is to make us more like Jesus. And just in case you forgot what he did, Jesus died on the cross for you. A man who did not have to come took upon the form of a servant. 
came to the cross of Calvary, set his deity aside, and died for you and me. But most of us wouldn't die for a cheeseburger, much less another person. Isn't it funny how the Lord works the message out? I mean, today's the day we celebrate, well, tomorrow technically, but today's the day we celebrate Memorial Day, those people who have given their life for our country. We should be celebrating the man who gave his life for the world. We should be celebrating a church that's willing to give their life because Jesus did it first. Yet we sit in church and we want to claim verses that aren't ours so that we feel better about ourselves and the bad stuff that happened. Oh, I got a flat tire. God's working out something. He's trying to get you to be like Jesus. Walk. What do you think would have happened if Jesus' donkey got a flat tire? Listen. It's not all good, but it is important that you love God. And you can't love God with just your mouth. You've got to love him with your actions. I say it all the time. I tell my kids all the time, they, they're big fishing buffs now. I mean, if, if you talk to them, like, they're going to they're gonna get rich off fishing. I, yeah, thanks, Garth. Anyways, here, here's the problem. They ain't caught no fish, and they got a bad guide. Now, they cleaned up on shrimp, apparently, right? which in my opinion is just as bad as fish, but Chris helped him clean up on shrimp. And, and they did, hey, they didn't catch many fish last night. They caught a ton of shrimp, and they caught another guy to come to church. That's pretty good, right? I mean, we're doing something right, right? They're fishermen of, fishers of men, right? So they got Chris, and I don't think he was a hard hook. He, he was glad to come and uh, brought his granddaughter, and we're glad to have them. But here, here's the thing. It's easy to tell me something, but I'm from Missouri. Show me. I believe that's where God came from, just so we all know. Homeland in Missouri. He doesn't want to hear you say it. He wants to see you show him. Don't tickle his ears. He wants to see you do it. If you're going to claim the verse, make sure you're doing it because verse 29 is in action. Everything that's happening in your life is because you love God, because you're called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? To conform you to the image of his only son. Why? Because it's by the foolishness of preaching that people are saved. What if we did nothing on Sundays? Nothing. I mean, we don't sing. Matter of fact, you just show up and in the parking lot, we're going to pray with you in your car and we're going to send you out. That's all we're going to do. We're going to pray with you we're going to turn around and send you out. Would we still be the church? Yes, we would. We'd be a different kind of church, but we'd still be the church. But on your way going, what if you had the express purpose of, hey, today I'm going to bring glory to God. How am I going to do that? I'm going to go out and find someone to share Jesus with them. I'm going to go out and preach the gospel. You mean we've got to preach now? You should have been preaching your whole time. See, in order for us to take this scripture and apply it to our lives, we have to understand that we're, everything's working through the purpose to conform us, to make us transform us, to make us look more like Jesus and act more like Jesus. And what was Jesus' one and only purpose when he came to earth? To seek and save the lost. And he came all the way from Chattanooga, Tennessee to tell us that. That might have been close to God's country, I'm just telling you. To seek and to save that which was lost. 
How many of you are seeking and saving? How many of you are seeking and saving? Got real quiet now. How many of you share Jesus with someone this week? Not by word, or maybe by word, but, but by deed. How many of you went and shared Jesus with somebody? Gave them hope where hope wasn't. Loved on them in spite of them. Hey, it's easy to love the lovable, right? It's easy to love Garth. We don't smell like fish. A little bit harder when he does. Ben, it's easy to love you now, but would I have loved you nine years ago? I, I hope, but I can't say I would have. Because Ben was part of the unlovable, right? Or in Ben's mind, he wasn't unlovable, but in maybe other people's mind he was, right? Two years ago, Willie and Val. Would I have loved you? I don't know, I hope. It's hard not to love Val. She smiles. It's, it's easy not to love Willie. Till he smiles. And then poor Pinky, she's got that infectious smile too. See, it's easy to love people like that who are lovable. It's a whole lot harder to love the unlovable. But Christ came to seek and to save. He didn't put any parameters. Romans 10 and verse 13. There's a reason God put it there. There's a reason all this happened today. The gospel is whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Black, white, green, yellow, rich, poor, skinny, plump, young. I just looked. I, he knew. I mean, I didn't even have to say Norm. Uh -huh. So it's easy to love the lovable people, the people that are nice to us, the people that are loving to us. What about the one who's not so nice? Let me close with this story and we'll be done. Oh, I've got two texts. Sorry. One may be Kim telling me. No, it wasn't. Oh, let me close with this story. There was a lady in my, my previous church and to say that it, she looked like she was sucking on a PVC pipe full of pickle juice all the time would be an understatement. I mean, she looked mad all the time. All the time. I mean, she's just mad. I mean, I think she woke up to be mad about being mad. Okay, I mean, she just... You ever met any of those kind of people? So, there was another lady in, in the fellowship. Uh, her name was Grandmother Pat. And Grandmother Pat, as you can tell by her name, was kind of the, uh, the patriarch of the church. She'd been there since she was a kid, and the church was 164 years, years old whenever I got there. So she'd been there a long time. I'm not sure she was there 164 years, but her grandparents are actually some of the founding members of the church. Okay, so she'd been there forever. And this other lady kind of came in, and had been there probably 30 years, 35 years, something like that, and had been mad the whole time. Well, whenever I got there, I was a little bit younger than what I am now, but I was just as outspoken as what I am. And so on a Christmas Eve service, my very first Christmas Eve service, I hadn't been there a good 25 days yet. And so I got to preaching and I got carried away. And I'm just, I, I mean, I got carried away. I, I don't think I did anything inherently wrong, but from the platform to the first pew was less than what the distance is here. So I got to go and you can imagine what I did. 
I saw this Facebook post yesterday that if your preacher walks the pews, he's Pentecostal. I'm not, but I, I took off on him. And I'm going across the pews. There were only about five of them deep, so I went five. I jumped the aisle and come back the other five. Well, at the end of the service, I looked at this lady, not Grandmother Pat, but the other lady, who, who I'm not saying her name to protect the guilty. But she looked even madder then than what she did previous. She could not believe a preacher would walk on the pews. A Baptist preacher, right? Because Pentecostal preachers, they do it. It's no big deal, right? So, so anyway, so they came to my office like two days later. And they said, preacher. And just started laying it all out. And I'm like, you know, if I offended you, I'm sorry. I said, uh, you know, I just got going. And I said, but if, if that offended you, you're probably going to want to buckle up because it's going to get worse. And so, so they left mad. Her husband was one of the deacons, one of the 12 deacons that I had in a church of 40 people. Uh, so you figure that one out. But anyways, uh, so they left mad. And then for the next two years, I was there five, for the next two years, she was mad about it. And she was just mad. I went to Grandmother Pat and I said, Grandmother Pat, I need some wisdom. I said, what do I do? What do, I, do? I said, I could poison her, but that might send me to prison. So what do I do? I can remember her looking at me, and she said, well, pastor, now, here's a lady in her late 80s, and she referred to me as pastor, and I'm like, for the first time, it like hit me. And I'm like, well, I'm asking you for wisdom. She said, well, pastor, I'm going to tell you to do what Jesus did. I'm not dying on the cross of Calvary for this lady. She said, you just love her. In spite of her, you just love her. I said, well, how do I do that? She said, well, on Sunday morning when she comes in, you look for her, and you go straight to her, and you give her a hug. You tell her it's good to be, and listen. So I did that for two years. I'd go straight to her, and I'd say, hey, I'd give her, good to see you. And, you know, it was that, some of you guys give me the same hug, that half hug kind of thing, right? You're trying to back out of the way just like you're hugging me. But I'd give her a hug. And then she was in the hospital. I showed up at the hospital. And I just loved her, and, I, and I, listen, I loved her so much that she had to leave the church because she was so mad at me. Because you couldn't be mad at me while I'm praying for you and loving you, so you just leave. There's some Christians that do the exact same thing. There's some Christians that do the exact same thing. They get their panties in a wad over something, right, because I didn't say hi to them, or I didn't do this, or I didn't do that, and they get up and walk out. Listen to me now. Jesus would have said, let them go and seek and save those which are lost. Because those were the ones you're sent to, sent to find. I'm not saying that we're not going to love you if you're saved. What I'm saying is that we're here to be conformed to the image of our Savior. And our Savior is after hurting and lost people. That's what we are. We're a place for hurting and lost people. We're a hospital. And right now, over the last four years, this is what it's been. Some of you have been on the ride for four years. You understand. We see people come in, right? They seem to get better. And then what do we do? We see them go out. Some leave. They're going here to serve. They're going there to serve. But they keep going. You know what that tells me? We're doing something right. We're doing something right. Because they're coming and getting fixed. Getting their feet back under them. And going back out to serve Jesus somewhere else. I'm okay with that. I struggled with it for a while. But this week as I studied for this, I, I realized that 
everything happens for the good, I'd ask myself the question, do I love Jesus? Do I really love him? Am I, am I called according to his purpose? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to look more and more like Jesus? I have to say yes. Maybe you want to say no, and if you want to, we'll set up a meeting. You can come tell me. You can email me at pastor at mybayshore.church. It, it's a real email. Okay, I'll really get it. But I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus, which means I'm not as concerned about the religious people is what I am about the people outside who don't want to come in because they've been hurt by religious people. Those are the people I'm looking for. Verse 28 is not about individuals. It's about conforming us to look like Jesus, act like Jesus. Things that happen in your life, are you acting more and more like Jesus? You're acting more and more like the devil. So well, I'm saved. Are you serving Jesus 100% of the time? Well, preacher... Are you serving Jesus 100% of the time? Because if you ain't serving Jesus 100% of the time, you're serving the devil 100% of the time. Jesus doesn't want a part-time Christian. He's looking for full-time believers. So let me close with this. If you're, if you're in here today and you've never, ever trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, you hear it, you're like, well, I've been to church my whole life. What do you mean by this personal relationship? We want to talk to you about it. We're not here to, like, make you drink the Kool-Aid or, you know, to reach in the box. Uh, you know, we leave the snakes in the box. We don't take them out on Sunday mornings. Uh, we're not here to get you doing any of that stuff. We want to take the Bible. We're going to use the Bible. You can bring one, too, if you want. But we just want to take the Bible. We want to show you what Jesus did for you. We want to show you how it's a personal relationship, how it's not a bunch of rules, right? We, we want to show you that you can come and belong just the way you are. Just the way. Anyone jacked up in here? See, look at all these people that got their hands up. They're jacked up. Yeah, Jacob raised both hands. Uh, they're jacked up too, and we just want you to come and belong. We want you to come and hang out. Come and follow. Because then we know for a fact that eventually you're going to believe. Because we're going to show you that we love Jesus. We're not just going to talk you to death. We're going to show you. And it's infectious. You're going to love Jesus. And then maybe even maybe, I don't know, it's not work for some of us, but maybe you'll even behave. Maybe. It's not working well for me and Garth. Jacob's not doing real good either. And Ben, you're out, I already know. But see, that's the great thing about it, is you can come along, then believe, and maybe even behave. It took Peter a long time. It took Paul a little while, too. I'm just trying to see how far I can stretch it. Okay? Let me pray for you. We're going we're gonna to pray and close. Bobby, if you'll grab the basket and to the back door. Don't forget Josh. Uh, Josh came today purely on a love offering. He, he sent me an email and he said, hey, is this date available? Is this date? I couldn't do the first one. He shot me the second one. He said, hey, you guys just do what you can do. I, I just want to come. I, do what you can do. So, God, guys, let's bless that. Let's bless the fact that he, he's come just to be a blessing to us. Let's bless him and his family. He, he's getting some of his stuff out. He's got some CDs and maybe a shirt or two. And I love the way he does it unless he's changed it up. He says, you give me what you can. So if you want, if you want a CD, if you want some of this other stuff, then you just go to him and you say, hey, Josh, I got, you know, 100 bucks. Here you go. 
Uh, no, I don't know what it is. But whatever you can give him for it, you do that. And we're going to put the, uh, the basket. Bobby's going to hold the basket and do a love offering for him. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to close, but I'm going to say this. If you're one of those people who, who don't know Jesus Christ and you want to talk, I'll be up here. And you can come and just have a seat, and I'll, I'll get to you, I promise. Don't leave without talking. If you don't want to wait for me, Garth is here, Blanca, Cindy. We'll get someone to talk to you. Okay? But don't leave without talking if that's what you need. Don't turn around and walk out the door because there's a reason God brought you today. Okay? And we don't want you to be that person that we missed. So we're not that busy that we're not going to talk to you. I do not see Miss Kim. So unless you walk out and happen to see her, uh, the meeting will be moved to next week uh, because she's not here right now. And uh, she's probably taking, is she back? Okay, so she's at the hospital waiting on x-rays with Carissa. So meeting postponed to next week, all right? All right, let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. It's been perfectly preserved. God, we pray right now, Father, that we wouldn't take Romans 8 and verse 28 and make it about us. But God, that we would take it and understand that verse 29 is to conform us to the image of your son. And so, Father, that we would understand that everything that happens in our life There's a good purpose behind it because you're trying to make us look more and act more like your son, Jesus. God, we pray that you would help us with that. Father, we pray that you'll give us the grace and mercy needed to be able to accomplish that. Father, we pray for the one in here who may not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God, we pray that they wouldn't walk out of this room, Father, without meeting him. God, we're not here to trick them. Father, we just want to take your word and open it up and let your Holy Spirit draw them. Father, we pray for Miss Kim and Carissa now at the hospital. And as Carissa's being x-rayed, God, I pray that you protect her, watch over her. Give the doctors the wisdom needed, Father, to care for her. God, for Josh, as he's here with us today, and God, he'll be headed home. God, I pray that you'll bless his travels. Father, that you'll provide provision for them that will just be uh, unbelievable, God, that you'll send it from places that he wouldn't expect it to come. Again, Father, we thank you for the blessing he is to us. God, I pray that you'd allow us to bless him. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.